All right. Well, praise the Lord. Let's turn to uh, the word this morning and uh, praise the Lord will come and read in just a moment. But this is um, part six, in fact, and last part of a series that um, we've been looking at. And so it's been, um, well, I think it's been a blessing and I pray it has been to you as well because we've I've preached a series called Christ Manifested and um, was based upon, the thought was based upon a book, but everything I've preached, I pray, has been based in the Word. And, uh, but the, they say uh, originality is born out of inspiration. And so um, that book just planted something in my life many, many years ago that has uh, stayed with me. And the truths that uh, it, it uh, spoke of are so clear in the Bible that when we begin to see that Jesus himself said that to those that would uh, follow him and love him, and obey him that he would manifest himself to them, reveal himself. And so we considered the, 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 um, the basis of that uh, being obviously the, what we've called the spiritual senses. In the same way that the sen- our natural senses connect us to the natural world and allow us to experience the reality of life as we do, we have spiritual senses that enable us to experience God. And, uh, and, and God, through these senses, uh, manifests himself to us. Praise the Lord. And so that's been the premise of what we've looked at, which I know you're aware of and I repeat each time, but uh, it's necessary as well. So we've looked at four senses. Sight, hearing, taste, smell last week, and that last one is touch. Touch, the sense of touch, or or the sense of to uh, uh, to feel. Okay, so when we look at this as well, and we bring it into a spiritual uh, dimension, there's obviously there's certain uh, things that surround that, and I think that it's important for us to understand just how important the issue of touch is. That we can be touched of the Lord, that God can touch us again, not physically spiritually speaking, that Christ can manifest himself to us in such a profound way that he can touch us. And in touching us this morning, the, the profound impact that that has upon the human soul. You know, again, we are, God has made us with emotions. And so to, dis, to just discount them altogether would be, would be foolish and would be wrong. But I must put a caveat to this message because we're living in an age and in an era where emotionalism, sensationalism and every otherism that relates to that, the emotions is totally out of whack and out of order. And so, so much that is attributed to feeling God is not God at, uh, is not, they're not experiencing God at all. They're just having an emotional experience. Okay, and I think that's important because, you know, people, uh, we're living in the church age, you go to church and they, you know, they make it all dark and they put all the lights on and all the flashes and all the rest of it and they create an atmosphere and an environment that you can feel God. Well, you can be moved in the realm of the soul, but that's not God. You don't need any of that nonsense to experience God this morning doesn't matter where you are, what the circumstances are. You can cry out to God in a moment and where God can manifest himself to you and touch you in the most profound way. And so there's a lot of nonsense that's going out there. And so I'm not going to focus on that because I don't want to detract from 
you know, by, I, obviously I'm mentioning the negative, but I want to focus on the negative because we want to look at the, the reality that the Scripture teaches us in relation to this particular truth. And so uh, we'll, we'll leave that for another time. But it's true that any experience must be subjected to and aligned with the Word of God. It's so true, full stop. If it's not, that gives us the understanding to discern and to judge. Because uh, there's a lot of claims that come in, you know, I experienced this and I experienced that, and I've heard a lot over 30 years myself, and some I can identify with and bear witness with, and there's others I've had personal experiences. I've heard of others' experiences, and then I've heard others testify, and I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that was the Lord. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, God is a spirit, and we are spirit. And we're spirit, soul, and body. And so we, in, in that makeup as well, the realm of the soul is, is, is that dimension by which God can man- and does manifest himself to us. But it's also a dimension that is related to sp- the spiritual world and it's connected to all, all of our emotions. And so um, we, it is imperative that God is touching us. But you see, so often when we, we, we realise that we are spirit, but the Bible reveals to us that mankind pretty much and often is the case, is a broken spirit. And through the circumstances of life and sin, there's a brokenness that can uh, um, uh, affect people's lives for various reasons, and that's a reality. But also, we can have a hunger and a thirst for God as well, and our desire for God and seek God and reach out to Him, as we'll see in the Scriptures. And so in, in that context, God will manifest Himself. You know, we sang that, sing, that, that hymn this morning, He touched me. He touched me. Oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And so remember, the premise of... Remember I said to you at the beginning, with John Fletcher, in his, in his letters that he wrote relating to this, he said his conviction was that, that Christ will manifest himself to every sincere follower sooner or later. And that's the truth. Sooner or later, God does manifest himself. He reveals himself. And I tell you how once something happens. And remember, we've been looking at this in two contexts. We've been looking at it in the context of salvation and where God reveals and manifests himself as the Savior. And also we've been looking at it in the context of our own walk and relationship with God and the nature of those things that are connected with that. So it's been twofold. And again, we're going to see the same thing this morning as we examine this. And so there's another song that I've heard you sing, Pastor Werner. It's called, To Get a Touch from the Lord is So Real. Eh? We don't sing it so often. We've sang it, I think, at the prayer meeting once or twice, but I do remember it. To get a touch from the Lord is so real. It's real. God can and does and will touch us. And so I asked the question to you this morning, Have you touched the Lord, or has the Lord touched you? Can you say, he touched me, something has happened? And so to get a touch from God speaks of so many different aspects this morning when we talk about God's strength, God's power, God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, his compassion, his comfort, his gentleness, you name it. In the the realm of touch, there are so many things that the Bible uh, reveals to us. But it all depends on our need. And God knows our needs. And God meets with us. Amen?
So let's read our text and draw out from the scriptures some things here. Mark chapter 1, and we'll, we'll start at verse 40. It says, Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See, uh, what is, um, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. Now, um, I guess everyone's familiar with that famous, is it the Michelangelo painting, you know, where it's got, you know, it's got man, he's reaching up like this, and you've got God, he's reaching down, and, they, you know, they've got the touch. And obviously, this is depicting something there, but, um, but the point being, again, is that God can does touch us. Now, this is a very interesting portion of text. Now, obviously, this is physical, but there is a spiritual component to this text that I want to just touch upon because here's Jesus. He's dealing with a leper, and this leper comes to him and is imploring him to heal him, and Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus touched him. Now, we can just read that without really un getting the full comprehension and perspective of what's going on here. Because in, in, in this time, lepers, you don't touch a leper. In fact, uh, if you understand in the Bible, what we have here is a whole typology of sin because sin is compared to leprosy. And in the Old Testament, the Bible talks about leprosy and the law of leprosy. And all those things when someone would, be, would uh, become leprous and they had to be isolated and separated from the people and from the camp and put us outside of the camp. I mean, this was pretty, this was horrific if you got leprosy. And so leprosy uh, is, is, is a type and uh, symbolic of sin. And we are all contaminated and, uh, and, and spiritually speaking have leprosy. We are all sinners. And so here, when a person... Uh, in Israel had leprosy, it was, it was devastating to their whole way of life. They literally had to then isolate from their family and their friends and go live in a little community of lepers and they were not allowed to interact with others or especially touch us others and no one would touch them and they would live on the outskirts of town. They were forbidden to have contact with people and when, when one came near they had to ring a bell and they had to shout out, I'm unclean, unclean, so that uh, people would be aware and draw attention to themselves and just be utterly humiliated. And so you can see that leprosy in, in this context was a, it was a terrible condition. And so no one in Israel, when they saw a leper, no one wanted to go near. And here's a leper presenting himself to Jesus and saying, Lord, if you're willing... You can make me, make me whole. And Jesus says, I am willing. 
I'm willing. The others were not willing. But Jesus was willing. And not only, Jesus touched him, and in touching him, he healed him of his leprosy. And so here it is, this physical miracle teaches us a spiritual lesson that God, in spite of the fact that we are contaminated by sin, that we have all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But we have a Saviour, amen, who's willing to touch us, who's willing, uh, who bore our sin in Calvary. And uh, you know him who made... God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So you have this, this, this reality in which Christ, amen, is not only willing to touch and heal a leper, but he's willing to touch and heal a sinner, to touch your life and my life, to reach out to us. You see, leprosy would start like a small little dot or something small, and then it would spread into the, across the body, and it would, you know, it would just continue to spread. And that's what sin's like. You know, we're born with a sinful nature, but we're not guilty of sin in terms of the legal sense until we become transgressors of God's law. But nevertheless, over the course of life, each of us are heaping up for ourselves God's righteous judgment for our sin and disobedience. And so sin really messes people's lives, doesn't it? People make wrong choices. People are affected by the contamination and the destruction of sin in their lives. And yet, I mean, that's what I was like. I was an 18-year-old teenager who had given myself over to all forms of sinfulness and, and rebellion against God and at, the, at my wit's end. And God reached out and he touched me in the same way that he would touch you. And yet, but this is the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning. And so Jesus touching and healing a leper is of great significance. Because when he touched the leper, he was not only physically made well, but that would have touched his whole being. I mean, this man was talking about on an emotional level, he was, and the soul. I mean, this man was filled with joy, thankfulness. He went and Jesus said to him, listen, just be quiet. I just don't want to draw attention to myself. He goes out and he blasts it everywhere. I mean, this guy can't contain his joy. He has, he's just been touched by Jesus, and that's what the gospel's like. When Jesus has touched you, you cannot, but, you cannot but speak of the glorious things that he has done for you and how he has manifested himself and revealed himself to you. You see, sin has destroyed so many lives, but God is in the business, as we know, of healing the brokenhearted. You know, human nature this morning is filled with pain and suffering. I mean, when we, we can talk about it. We can talk about the perpetrators of life. We can talk about the victims of life. And, and, and both exist. And the, the consequence upon the human soul is immense. We don't fully understand this. We have, and in the world today, we have so-called psychology and psychiatry, and they want to try and dabble into the realm of the soul. But I tell you, no one knows the depths of the soul like God knows. And, but sin, though it goes deep, and though we see a world around us that's filled with pain and suffering, and we see people uh, with all of its effects, and we're seeing this more and more and more today. I mean, our world is inflicting upon uh, it's the, the younger generation, uh, the, uh, such, such sinfulness that the consequences of this 
is uh, we're going to have a generation that's going to grow up and by the time they're in their late teens, young, uh, early 20s, they don't even know the right hand from the left. But we have a merciful God this morning. And man needs more than ever a touch from the Lord. You see, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You see, we have to look, even when we look at government and we look at the world around us, we must move beyond that because we're dealing with a spiritual dimension to life. And so when we talk about the suffering and the pain and all the evil and and all of its wickedness and the manifestations thereof, we understand that there is a spiritual dimension behind all of this. And so Jesus comes to Israel at at a time, and yet he sees their suffering for for obviously various reasons. And nevertheless, God anoints Jesus, and he comes and heals all who were oppressed of the devil. And so I can tell you, when you read the Gospels, when people encountered Jesus Christ, they were transformed. There was something that was notable because they had been touched by God and they were delivered from demons. They were healed in their body and, 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 and their soul. And their mind was put in their right mind as well. So you can see how Jesus was, touch, was touching and delivering and healing so many Satan has wrought havoc in people's lives and in society. The Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy, and we see his fingerprints everywhere. Lives are ruined. But you see, that just becomes an opportunity for the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning because Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to recover recovery of sight to the blind. He's, he's sent me to, um, uh, to spread the good news of the gospel. And so you have Christ who's come for this specific purpose, to touch and to heal. Jesus himself said, I've come and seek and to save the lost. He said to the Pharisees, those that are well have no need of a physician. I've come, I haven't come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners to repentance. And so this is the, the ministry of Christ, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, touching them in such a way that they're experiencing his love and power. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus looked on the multitude and he was, saw them as sheep having no shepherd. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion. I mean, that word moved is really a deep, word in the fact that Jesus was so deeply affected by what he was observing. He was moved with compassion and he said, come unto me, all you are heavy laden. And he made made the statement, I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. My burden is light. You see, he's saying, I'll touch you. You can experience me. And that's going to change your life, a touch from the Lord. See, God is not indifferent to human suffering this morning. He's not. Some would conclude that, some would declare that. But the whole basis of the gospel is that Jesus has come to save, deliver, and to heal. 
And so that's part of the gospel. So when he said to the leper, I am willing, then we get the clear impression throughout the Bible that Jesus is willing. Can you say amen? He is willing. He is willing. Something happens. Christ manifests. You know that story, and it kind of gives us a different perspective on some things here, but you're familiar of that story of the woman who had the flow of blood. <coughs> and and uh, she had suffered for many years, and she, and she was not made well. And she's just uh, Jesus is in the multitude, is being thronged among the multitude, meaning that everyone's kind of pressing against him, and you know as he's trying to move and maneuver through the crowd. But then there's one woman, and she says, "If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well." And as she reaches out in desperation and uh, touches the hem of his garment, power is released from Christ and touches this woman and she is made whole. But you know what the beauty is? Is Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? Who touched me? Because Jesus sensed that power had gone out of him and not only had someone touched him, but he had touched somebody else. And the, the, the truth here is, is that this is many a times what precedes it. In our brokenness, in our, in our suffering, and in our pain, we cry out in desperation. We reach out. We call upon the Lord and seek God. And this is where God, we just say, I can only touch him. And there's something in that that releases God's power and grace in our lives uh, as well, in which he, he touches us. And he says to the woman, your faith has made you well. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I know we talk about the gospel and we talk about God's initiative, but there's a, there is a place in scripture for men. And in that, God meets with men. You see, we're complex people this morning. True? <laughs> We are, we are, we are complex. I, the more I, older I get, the more complex I realize I am. So is my family. But we're complex individuals. But you see, God knows us. He knows us to the, every detail. And so, in, the, in light of that fact, what we need is we need just God, we need a touch from the Lord. You know, I remember as a young Christian, I'd experienced God in salvation and he'd saved me from my sin and I was rejoicing in God, but I still knew I was a broken man. I still knew that uh, I was undone and I still knew that there was a process of, of, of healing. And I, I've shared this before, but I remember I started to dabble in Christian psychology and I got a book and stuff and I began to read up on these things because I was desperate I needed I knew I had I needed inner healing there was a book on the shelf that said wound healing the wounded spirit and it was talking about going in utero and this is Christian this is in the Christian bookshop right this is not like out some worldly bookstore and I and then as I just I read it and I just didn't didn't make sense but you know one day God spoke to me from his word and he manifested himself to me in such a way. I remember that, was a, that, that experience the Lord brought me through went over a period of time, of months, if not a year or two. And I remember one day at a, uh, in church, the preaching, and I remember just being moved. Now, I'm not a man that's given to a lot of emotion. You may have figured that out, right? 
But nevertheless, when the Lord touches me, and I just broke down. I wept like a baby. And so I remember one day, Christ had manifested himself. He touched me at the altar as I was praying, and I just wept and wept. And it was so dramatic that people in the congregation realized the dynamic. So everyone wanted to come up afterwards, you know, good Christian brothers and sisters, are you okay, brother? I tell you, I got up, I said, I'm great. Because Jesus had just touched me, and I was made whole. I got up from that place. I didn't need uh, any, uh, anything more or anything else because Jesus had just done it. And so, again, this touch from the Lord is so real. And I'm saying, you know, remember, sooner or later, I can't tell you how God's going to manifest himself to you. I can't tell you when, how, and all of those things, but I can tell you he does. And if we will seek him, if we will wait upon him, draw near to him, he will come. He will come. But we don't need the so-called professionalism of psychology and psychiatry. We just need the word, amen? I mean, I, can't, I don't get it when we have, you know, they come, you know, churches are structured now where the pastor comes and then if you need help, you go see all the specialists that are all, you know, working from the church, you know, all the psychologists, the Christian psychologists. I don't get that. I don't get it because... Because I tell you, this is sufficient, church. And when we give ourselves to the word, when we hear that faith comes by hearing, and when we lay a hold of God, draw near to God, call out to God, I'm telling you, God will meet with us. He will touch you. Yes, we need counsel. Yes, we need godly instruction. But you see, that's why we, that's why we have elders. That's why we have pastors. That's why we have... Um, you know, senior leaders in the church and brothers and sisters that we can turn to and a body that functions and ministers. So, um, we're saying a touch from heaven. You know, in saying that, I want to just preface it by saying this, and I've said it before, but, you know, the gospel is pure logic. Sometimes people are looking for an experience and it doesn't come. And sometimes if you're looking for that, God won't give it. Because God knows what we need and why we need, and he understands the deep motives of our heart like nothing like any of us do. But what I say, the gospel is pure logic. So even say, well, I don't feel like the Lord's touched me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you don't feel anything. The gospel is pure logic. And so therefore what is written, you believe it, even if you don't feel it. But my argument is, as is Fletcher's, one day you will. When God says it's time, when the Lord touches you, then you'll know. But until then, that's okay. You base it on faith. You base it on what is written. So people are set free. People are delivered. Touch from heaven. This is salvation. Now let's come to our relationship with God this morning. Let's look at this in a second aspect. Because we need God to touch us. You know, the gospel is simply Christ in us, is it not? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I actually go because I'm going to send to you another. And he will dwell in you. He will be with you, the Holy Spirit. Now again, I know everyone's getting a little bit tentative here. Where's Pastor Gary going with all of this? But I'm telling you, it's there. I can't, we can't deny it. 
there's a reality to this. When Jesus says, I'll send to you the comforter, we're talking about peace and comfort. The Bible says he's the God of all comfort. How can we not feel that? How can that be detached from any emotional response? So when God comes and ministers to us in the spirit and we feel that the, uh, and, and that brings a dimension to the soul, it's going to affect our whole being. And so, so therefore, it does touch the feeling. You know, we are, we, the truth is too, as Christians, we're, we're earthen vessels. We're leaky vessels. Our sister was sharing Azalea about her father. Saved, went away from the Lord and then grieved God over a period of time, but then God in his mercy restored him, drew him back, and then again, his heart was set alight by, by, by God's grace and God's presence and God's power. He was touched afresh. And that's how, this is how the Christian life works. You know, if, if it's always, it's, you know, we're not always climbing and on the mountain peaks in, in, in Christ. We are, spiritually speaking, but in the experiences of life, there is a duality. And in Christ, yes, that's the case. But in the reality of life, we experience hardship. We experience suffering. There's things happen in life. And I'm telling you, some of these things are difficult, extremely complex to process. And even the, the, the way that they can affect us. And we feel dry sometimes. We feel uh, uh, overwhelmed. There's so many things we go through. And we reach out to God and say, God, you need, I need you. And, you know, again, so often God sees our need and he meets with us, whether it be through his word, whether it be through his spirit, whether it be uh, through in church or brethren. I mean, God has many ways in which he speaks and ministers to us and touches us. The Bible says it's possible to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And if that's the case, then there's going to be a separation there. We're going to feel an alienation, a separation. And, uh, and again, if, uh, but that can be always restored. The Bible says, quench not the spirit. Allow the Spirit to, to manifest and to work in our midst. But the point that I'm trying to make is that many times Christians can forfeit the fullness of what the Bible calls the fullness of the blessing. We are to abide in that fullness and many times we fall short of it. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. And I'll read from... Verse 14 here. And I know that there's a dimension here that relates when it, well, we'll see the scripture when it talks about the love of God that surpasses understanding or passes knowledge. And the Bible talks about the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. You, you feel that, right? That's, that's what the Bible's saying. There's a, there's a, we're talking about the peace of God that surpasses understanding. It's not just a logical concept. There is a genuine peace that we, we, we reside in and rest in the Lord. And here, talking about God's love, in verse 14, Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit, in the inner man, through his spirit, with power, in the inner man, in our spirit. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints 
what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, this is what, this is, the, this is, the Bible says that God's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And we are exhorted to abide in the fullness of that blessing. And that is what God has for us. This is what we would call, people say it's the victorious Christian life, but really it should just be the normal Christian life. Because so many Christians fail to abide in that fullness and they settle for second best and fall short of all that God has for them. When the Bible's encouraging us to know the love of God that passes knowledge in the sense that, um, yes, there's a dimension of logic to it and also when we look at Christ's sacrifice, it goes beyond the logic because God's love motivated him to send his son to be crucified on a, on a cross. But the whole emphasis here is that the love of Christ is that that Christ would fill, we would be filled with the fullness of God by God's love. We would know his love. Now again, love can be understood. You see, the problem with the world around us is that people build love on emotion, right? Because love is not a feeling, it's an act of the will, primarily. But does that mean love has no feeling? Because the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. And he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So if you're living in fear, that's going to affect your soul, isn't it? You're going to be uneasy. You're going to be stressed, anxious, tormented. There's going to be an internal struggle uh, that will, will affect your whole being. But when love is perfected, when the Lord touches you, when you are in the fullness, you are at peace. Perfect love casts out fear. You are at rest in the Lord. And that permeates the inner man, strengthens the inner man, and brings us to a place in Christ where we abide in, in that fullness. And so, this is for us this morning. And Paul's prayer is that we would experience it and know it. This is Christ manifested. See, the Christian life this morning is, as we've mentioned, it's not beyond pain and suffering. And the truth is, is that there are, there are crises in the Christian life. In fact, I believe God deliberately brings sometimes crises in our, in our lives. That doesn't mean everything is. As we're living, you know, there's demonic activity, there's our own stupidity, there's, there's a lot of dimensions to all this. But I've learned that some of the crises of life you know, where I thought the devil was attacking me, and he exploits those things, but I realized later it was God that was behind it. God brought me here. God allowed for this. Because God was doing something in me. He was bringing me, he was going to bring me into a greater dimension of his presence and his love, his power. And I saw that later, but not at the time. But I went through a crisis. But that crisis caused me to cry out to God. That crisis caused me to get desperate. That crisis caused me to say, I can't accept this status quite any longer. I need God. I need God to move. I need a touch from the Lord. And you know what? God does. He's so real. You know, can you turn to Psalm 131? It's a short psalm, but it's a one that the Lord had spoken to me many, many years ago. I want to read it to you because it contains a profound truth. 
But in Psalm 131, David writes, and he says, he talks about his simple trust in God. And he says, Lord, my heart is not haughty, or it's, pr- it's not proud, nor my eyes are lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Look at verse 2. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a winged child with his mother, like a winged child is my soul within me. You know, there's nothing like a mother's touch, and winning a child, the the mother's touch. You know, the father is like, he's a bit rough, you know, what men are like. But the mother's touch is special. And when a mother weans a child, there is something in that that the Lord is, is, is um, showing us. And David had come to a place where he had learnt to calm himself and quiet his soul like a weaned child with its mother. So my soul is, in, is with you, with the Lord. And again, this is, this is a sense of, you know, of of the feeling that's associated with this, is calmness, a peace. And he's not allowing his mind to drift over here and over there because that just brings so much stress and distraction. And so you can see here in David's, David's uh, thoughts and his expression, and maybe it will reveal, it, uh, reveal itself to us as well in the same way. You know the Bible tells us that God will wipe away every tear? Think about that for a moment. God will wipe away every tear. He'll touch us. He'll touch us in such a way that that tear, we won't cry again. There'll be no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. What a day it will be. But it will come from a touch of the Lord. You see, again, I say to Christians this morning, do you know a touch from the Lord? Or have you ever touched Jesus? I found this statement, and it said these words. It says, it's easy to come to church, fellowship with believers, and never touch Jesus. We can be in the crowd, but never be part of the congregation. We can sing songs, but never worship. We can take notes on sermons and never apply the word to our hearts. Attendance doesn't mean we're paying attention. I believe Jesus is passing by the aisles of our churches, looking for people who are desperate for him. Unfortunately, most of us miss him. And so this is so true. We just need to come to a place where when we come to church, we've come to worship, we've come to draw near, we've come to turn our eyes on Jesus. Remember, there were many people that thronged Jesus in the crowd, but only one touched him. And so... There's something real about the fullness of the blessing that's revealed to us in the Bible this morning. And so many have gone before us and have testified of God's grace and power in their lives. There are so many that have gone deeper in the Lord. If, if you read books and if you're into reading books and these things, you'll, you, there's, I remember a period in my life where I, I was drawn to so many different books. And when I look back now, they were all about going deeper, going deeper in your walk with God. That's what, you know, in principle it was. But when you read about in the scripture and you read about the experiences of others and you identify these things, I was drawn to a couple of thoughts that I just want to share with you as we conclude because 
Remember, we're dealing now with Christians. Now, remember Israel. They had to go through two crossings to get into the Promised Land. They had to go through the Red Sea that came out of Egypt, but then they had to cross the Jordan to step into the, to the Promised Land, the fullness of the blessing, so to speak. And so, if the, and so, but how many have them died in the wilderness? They they didn't live in the fullness of the blessing. They didn't abide in that in that place that we're talking about this morning. And so, so too. And I, I use this as an illustration. And I hope it's not it doesn't get misunderstood. But there's a difference between Calvary and Pentecost. We can talk about the gospel and Calvary and the forgiveness of sins. But when we talk about Pentecost, it's about the Spirit's coming. It's about the Spirit abiding. It's about the Spirit empowering. It's about the Spirit uh, comforting. There's so many dimensions that relate to this reality. And so when I say, do you know Pentecost, I'm not saying, do you speak in tongues, okay? Not saying, not to discredit that entirely, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about the Pentecostal blessing of the fullness of the Spirit. And yes, there's a dimension of power with purpose, but also the Bible says that they walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They had peace. They, 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 the Lord was constantly touching them in the midst of, uh, of everything that was going on. And remember, they were being persecuted and, and they were threatened with their lives. And they prayed, Lord, give us boldness to preach your word. And the place was shaken by the Spirit of God. God was constantly manifesting and touching his people. And so too, the same is for us today. You see, but... Calvary is coming out of, in the same way as Egypt came, uh, the Israelites came out of Egypt, and Pentecost is the same as going into, as going through the Jordan into the promised land, into the Spirit, into Christ. And so, we, when we talk about the Spirit-filled life, I'm, not, I'm talking about abiding in Christ and His fullness. And so this is what God has for us. And I put the question to, to you, is do, you, do you know that place? Are you walking with the Lord? And so Christ is manifested. The Bible says, filled with the fullness of God. In Acts chapter 17, verse 36, I just want to turn there. Acts chapter 17. Now the Bible says, I'll conclude with this thought because again it just highlights and emphasizes. Acts 17. And so... In, uh, Paul is obviously speaking at Athens here. And he says that uh, he's speaking to them about the unknown God. And he says in verse 26 that he has made from one blood every nation of men. And he set boundaries for them to, to dwell in. And listen to verse 27. That they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he's not far from each of us. And so th that word grope means to feel, to feel after. It's, you know, it's a picture of being in a dark room 
it's pitch black and you're trying to feel for the switch to turn the light on or you know or whatever the case may be but to grope for god i mean god is desiring for us to seek him but if we grope for him he's not far from us and if we search for him he will be found by us he will manifest himself to us bible says i will be found by you if you search for me with all your heart and so sometimes this is in the christian life this is what god is looking for from us this kind of desperation, this seeking, this desire, this hunger, this thirst. And he will satisfy us. And so God is good this morning. And I say to you and I, as we just conclude with this series and this thought, Christ manifested. We've looked at sight, hearing. We've looked at um, uh, taste. We've looked at um, smell and touch. And so I, I pray that throughout the series that, that your heart is stirred, that your heart is, is hungry, that you can, one, you might be able, can you, you've related to things that we've touched upon. Maybe you say, I, I haven't had Christ manifest in that way. Well, as, any, as, as, as John Fletcher said, to every sincere follower, Christ will manifest himself sooner or later. Just wait upon God, draw near to God, be faithful, seek him. Because then that, that God knows that time is his appointed time where he'll meet with you. And when he does, he touches you, something happens, and you'll never, ever forget. God is good this morning. Amen? Let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we just thank you, Lord. For your word this morning, God, for your spirit. God, I do pray, God, that you would take this, this, these truths, Lord, that we have heard over the course of this series. My God, I pray that you would surely touch your people. My God, I pray that you would manifest yourself to us in such profound ways, such real ways, Lord, that have been revealed, whether that's seeing God, whether that's hearing your voice, whether that's tasting of, of the deeper things of God, whatever that is, Lord, the sweet smells of the gospel and of Christ's sacrifice and all of those things, God, manifest yourself to us. And let our senses, our spiritual senses, be satisfied, Lord, with the delicacies, Lord, of your word, of your presence, of your power, of who you are. We ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.